Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast. I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and I'm here with my guest and my friend and colleague, Jen Riday. She is a mom of six and has a PhD in human development and family studies, just like me. And I'm so excited to have her here. Jen, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Hi, this is fun. I don't know if everyone knows, but Laura and I are both from Madison, Wisconsin, too, so that in common as well. <laughs> so I'm Jen Riday, like you said, and I help burned out and overwhelmed moms get off the hamster wheel and find balance so they can love life again. And I do this with tools that work. I like to be really practical and say, oh, here's what you do. Let's focus on results, not just the blah, blah, blah you often get in the self-help world. So tools like feel it to heal it or the be her morning ritual. Um, and I use these in my life. This is how I, I function with six kids, four of whom are virtual schooling, one of whom is doing half day school right now and a husband who maybe doesn't have the best social and emotional regulation skills. So yeah, when I say tools that work, I'm sitting here across from Laura doing a podcast. So I'm still functioning. They work. (laughs) They do. You know, it's funny when I was starting my business, I took your time management course. Do you still offer that course? Is that still a thing? Um, Yeah, it's still around and it's a part of my vibrant, happy women club. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I took it and it was so helpful in helping me figure out like, how am I going to do this thing where I have small kids at home and run a business and take care of myself and be a good wife. It was, you helped me get really clear on my core values and my priorities and how to make room and space for myself. So I I loved that course. You definitely have tools that actually work that you can put into practice and implement. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So we were just talking about your son who had an accident. He fell out of a tree. What happened? (laughs) Well, this is an interesting two-part story. Let me just say, first of all, my son falling out of the tree is the second part. He was trying to help one of our kittens as part of COVID. We have four garage kittens because I'm allergic. So they live in our garage and they get to play outside and it was in a tree. So he climbed up, my 15 year old climbed up to 
help the kitten get down. Probably didn't even need his help, but he slipped on some wet moss that grows on trees and totally broke his shoulder, had to have surgery. He has pins sticking out of his arm. It's really nasty. When I I saw those pictures, yeah, yeah, you posted it on social media and I saw those pictures and my husband had the almost exact same injury in high school. And so I reached out to you and just with love and you came back you said COVID has made, like, I was like, how have you been handling how like this? How is it going? This must be so hard. And you came back with COVID has made us strong. And I was like, I need to know more. I need to know more about that. You need to teach us this way you've been looking at it. So tell us more. Yeah. Well, let me tell you the first part of that story. So my other son, the oldest, who's 19, just 10 days earlier had flipped his car in a horrible accident where I got this call. And someone said, is this Jen? Don't be alarmed, but your son has been in an accident. It's very bad. I mean, you're like, whoa. What? Don't be alarmed. I thought that only happens on the movies. Like that call that that really just happened. So long story short, his car was a ball of metal. He had zero injuries aside from a little bit of abrasion from the airbag powder, which it burns the skin a little bit. And he, he walked away, you know, fine. But still, I think those two incidents really match up with all of 2020 for most of us. A year where we've learned deep emotional resilience. Either we've learned it or we're on substances. It's one or the other. (laughs) You know what I mean? So taking it back to the beginning of COVID, I had just deep panic. I spent time keeping a spreadsheet of where I thought the numbers would go because in grad school, I took an advanced statistics class and I'm like, oh man, this looks horrible. If, if we follow China's numbers, we're doomed. And I got in such a panic that the day came, I could barely function anymore. So I got into the bath. I did what I've done throughout COVID, which is what I call feel it to heal it. And it's very much what it sounds like. Instead of numbing with Netflix or sugar, Mm -hmm. chocolate, alcohol, whatever else you might use. I just sat in the bath literally that day. I had to sit there for four straight hours because I had so much emotion and energy moving through my body. And I just sat there and I felt it. So a lot of us, when big feelings come up, it's super uncomfortable and we want to just freak out. We panic and we're like, oh, I can't handle this. Oh my gosh, this is horrible. What am I going to do? And then we almost make our our panic and anxiety and the uncomfortable emotions increase with our thoughts. Yeah, we get flooded. Exactly. So I sat in the bath. I just said, okay, it's time to move this through. And I felt everything. I felt anxiety. I let myself think all the thoughts. Well, what if my parents die? What if one of my kids die? I just went all the way to the worst case scenario and felt it. And I realized in the end, there's just a range of emotions at the bottom, starting with shame at the top. Maybe we get all the way up to enlightenment or joy. And in between, it's just a series of emotions. Some feel way less comfortable than others. But what I discovered is as you let yourself feel it with this method, you begin to shift. You slowly rise up the ladder. Maybe you pass through anger. Maybe you pass through frustration and you keep moving up and you get back to essentially what we all want, which is peace, calm, contentment, happiness, joy, excitement, all the good things. If we're willing to be uncomfortable for a minute and let it move through. I think that's so important and so powerful. And it's important for us as humans, but 
for our kids too, as parents. As I was listening to you talk, I was remembering an experience I had last week with my daughter who is five and was going back to school and has been missing her time with her family. You know, she got used to us all being together. And one morning she just lost it and didn't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. I mean, she was experiencing what you were experiencing, a complete flood of emotions, things that she'd probably been keeping in, trying to stuff, you know, trying to keep behind a wall um, because there's good stuff there too. She's back with her friends. She loves her teacher. She has so much fun, you know, and it's easy to want to say like, oh, I don't need to feel those bad things. I've got these good things and try to turn our attention away. And sometimes we have to do that, but they got to be too much for her, for her poor little five-year-old body. It just all had to come out. And in that moment, I had a choice. I could go push her through it, tell her to shove it down, tell her to stuff it. I had a podcast interview coming up. We needed to get to school on time. I needed her to go to school and I could have pushed it. But I also knew intuitively, just like you knew, that she needed to feel it. She needed to feel all those things. She needed to move through all those things. They needed to be felt and experienced so that they could leave and go on. And so I just sat and I held her and she cried heart-wrenching sobs for five, 10 minutes. I made no move to slow them down or stop them. I even went there and elicited more of them. I used all my good therapist skills Mm -hmm. with empathy and validation. I held them up to the light. I heightened them so that she could fully experience the depths of her feelings. And do you know what? After she felt them all, she went to school, she had a great day. And the whole rest of the week, she had tantrums about leaving school. She didn't want to leave. I don't want to, you know, she was, <laughs> she was the first person buckled in, in the car in the morning. You know, I mean, like experiencing all of those emotions, all that reluctance, all that sadness about missing her family, missing her time with her sisters, allowed her to move on from them, allowed her to peacefully enjoy and joyfully like enjoy her time at school with her friends mm-hmm. because she that's knew really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's what we were doing, right? This heal it to feel it. So what is the heal it to feel it method? Cause I knew how to do that for my kid because I'm a therapist, but not everybody knows how to do that. And not of all of us had the chance to learn that and, or see it or experience it with our parents growing up or our partners now. So, and I don't think everybody knows that we can offer that for ourselves, you know, that we don't even need a therapist that we can, offer that to ourselves. Hey, Balanced Parents. If you are loving this conversation that I'm having right now with Jen and you want more of it, I would love to invite you to join us on Jen's annual Happy Vibrant Women Retreat. I'm so excited to be joining her. I'm going to be doing a segment at the retreat on parenting, but I am also going to be participating in it because goodness knows I need it this year more than any other. So if you're tired of feeling crazy busy and you know you need more balance, if you want to feel more free and kind of fall in love with your life again, if you want to improve your relationships with your partner, your children, and yourself, I would love to have you join me in Florida at an all-inclusive resort where every need of yours will be met and taken care of to learn how to live a more vibrant and happy life with Jen. So you can check out all of the information and get signed up in the link in the show notes, but I hope you'll join us. All right, let's go back to the show. So tell me, Jen, what is the heal it to feel it method? How do we do this? How do we put that into practice for ourselves or for our kids? 
Yeah. So feel it, heal it starts with identifying what's going on in your body in terms of sensations. You know, some of you might've done it through yoga where you do body scan meditations. Oh, notice your shoulders. What do you feel there? What's going on in your stomach? But with feel it to heal it, you do the same thing. You notice you're feeling uncomfortable. You're about to lose it with your kids. You feel stressed. That's when your body's trying to say, hey, pay attention. (laughs) You're about to lose it. So you go to a quiet place and I like to recommend you have a, a safe space where you train yourself to do your emotional processing there. So I have two, it's the bath or my bed. My bed has this beautiful feather comforter. I pull it up and it cues Mm. my body to feel safe, to do the emotional processing, both of those locations. Um, I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine, she called it a she space, having a she space. So it's one idea. I love um, that, but because our bodies do respond to cues, I actually use smell for that. I have one essential oil that I use that I put over my heart, and like that's when I feel like the ability to feel those things. I offer myself kind, loving touch, but it does it cues my body to soothe. Okay, we're safe. Yeah, I love that. But like we can totally use lots of different cues to trigger safety in us, right? To trigger that part of our nervous system. I love that. Okay, good. So you find what, a safe what place. essential oil is that? I'm curious because maybe yeah. we don't need it. <laughs> yeah. So there's one that I like from Plant Therapy, which is the brand I like. You can get it on Amazon. I really like it because they are incredibly responsible in educating you about what's safe to use with your kids. Some other essential oil brands give recommendations to use oils on kids that are not safe or use oils in an unsafe way. And so I feel really strong about evidence and research and essential oils that can absolutely be used to help with mood and feeling better, but they should be used safely. Anyway, so I really like plant therapy as a brand. And the one that I like for that process is called self-esteem. And it doesn't mean self-esteem, like for me, it means self-kindness. And like, if you are a young living essential oil person, the essential oil blend called Joy is also a very similar blend. Mm. So I like those two. Thanks. I will pick them up. So safe space. And then you just check in. What am I feeling in my body? And when you first do this, you won't know the words. Maybe a lot of us have three main emotion words, mad, sad, happy. (laughs) It's like, there's so many more, but we can get really good at it. I know, Laura, I think you told me about the feeling wheel from the Gottman Institute. Do you talk about that on your show? I Um, haven't talked about it yet, but there's lots of great feelings wheels out there. Like if you just do a Google image search, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) print out a copy of a feeling wheel and look at it if you're not sure, but you'll feel sensations in your body. Like maybe anxiety, you feel a tightness and a gripping in your throat. When I'm sad, I feel almost like a hand is pressing down on my heart area, heavy, Mm. heavy, and my body will contract around it as if trying to protect it. So a lot of interesting cues when you start to pay attention to your body and the sensations and you'll recognize, oh, I'm feeling sad and it will, you'll identify it more quickly. And once you understand what you're feeling, you can give the feeling a label and then you just feel it. You feel it to heal it. Say, oh, okay, I'm feeling sad. It feels like thick black tar. You can label all the senses with it. If it were a color, what would it be? If it were a texture, what would it be? Mm -hmm. If you were shining a light 
under it? What would you see there? Just keep with it and with it. And you'll start to notice that it begins to move. Now, the interesting thing is emotions kind of have vibration, like a wavelength of light. Mm-hmm. High vibration uh, light waves move quickly and low vibe ones are slower. Well, emotion is the same way. So the slowest vibration emotion is shame. And when people are feeling shame, they will often describe it like a rock in their stomach mm-hmm. or black tar or sludge. Yeah. And so when you're doing this method for yourself and not necessarily as a therapist, you will start to feel movement. Ah, that blackness is starting to move or it's starting to shift to the color blue or you can imagine butterflies there. And I had a friend who was having some boundary issues with her husband and it was so funny. She started with blackness and by the end she was describing birch leaves, yellow birch leaves blowing in the breeze. That's what it felt like in her body. She had completely moved from shame and frustration all the way up to peace and excitement symbolized by mm-hmm. the, the birch leaves that she saw. So it sounds a little crazy, but when you can picture your feelings in this way, you might hear a sound, you might imagine a texture, whatever it is, using your five senses, it will begin to dissolve and inevitably it will shift back to something more comfortable if you stick with it. So with kids, this is really cool. Kids might not necessarily be able to label what they're feeling, but they can describe what's going on in their bodies. So like Laura, you did that with your daughter the other day. And I'm curious, since it's fresh on your mind, do you remember the words she was using to describe what was going on in there? She would say things like, my heart hurts. My tummy feels lonely for you. I just need a hug. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sweet. And she could say her tummy felt something and her heart Mm -hmm. felt something. Yeah. And so with kids, then they describe these feelings. I feel like shaking. I feel it's black, it's blue, whatever. Then you can give them a label. Oh, that sounds like you're feeling frustrated. And then they have a word for it. And Mm -hmm. it's just this beautiful increase in emotional intelligence. Yeah. You know, the feelings wheel is helpful to print out too. So folks who are in my Respectful Parenting 101 course or who are in my membership Balancing You, they have my feelings wheel that they can, you can download from the membership yeah. site and print it out and put it onto the refrigerator. Kids are drawn to it. Most of them are color coded so that the colors jive with what the feelings are. And that can be really helpful for kids who are not reading yet, but it's also really helpful for adults because you're so right, Jen. Most adults I know don't know all of the names for their feelings. Women tend to know more. Men tend to know very few. They're not taught. We're not taught. And I, what you're saying, I think to do this, to do what you're suggesting would take a lot of tolerance for discomfort, a lot of ability to sit with, a lot of trust that these emotions feel big and overwhelming. And by feeling and acknowledging them and sitting with them, it will lessen over time. It will shift over time. And most people are so scared of the overwhelm of letting the floodgates open that they won't even open them, just a crack, you know? And you're asking them to open them wide and bathe in the flood that comes rushing out, you know, and that's scary. How did you learn to start trusting that feelings don't last forever, that they change, that the more you feel them, the higher the possibility that they will move through and become something else? You know, we all have these moments where we're overwhelmed by emotion. For example, when my son had the the car accident where he flipped his car and I got the call. 
and only one of us could go to the hospital because it's COVID. And I didn't know what state he was in. I knew he was in a neck brace. And so I was home. I stuck my other four kids that were here at the time in front of the TV. And I said, have fun. And then I could either have a breakdown or I could just move through it. And I didn't want to have the breakdown. That's way more uncomfortable. So I sat for about, it took me three hours to process. It started with, you all know the feeling of adrenaline. It's super mm-hmm. uncomfortable. It's shaky, oh, shakiness so shaky. in your chest. Mm-hmm. And I just focused one breath at a time. Like, And by the end, I was like, I had gone through some thoughts while I was feeling, okay, worst case scenario, blah, blah, blah. What would I do? How would we handle this? And I got my adrenaline back to normal. And I think what I realized is this is all chemical. I had to sit there and breathe with it to get that adrenaline to metabolize and the cortisol to metabolize and breathing and sleep are two great things. So sometimes if it's way too much emotion, just go to sleep. Your body will take Mm. care of a lot of it while you sleep. Crying is also another lovely way to get chemicals out of your body. It's one of the ways that we get cortisol, our major stress chemical out of our body is through tears. It's incredibly healing. Our bodies are incredibly wise. Like if Mm -hmm. you are feeling like crying, it is okay to let them out. It's actually quite good for you. (laughs) Exactly. Agreed. I I love to just give my space, self space to cry like you did for your daughter. But for all of us, COVID has given uh, given us this chance to to feel. And what I see for the most part, 90% of the women and men I interact with are much stronger because we've faced emotion after emotion after emotion. So we're strong. And so that's kind of goes back to that comment in the beginning. I told you, well, my son fell out of a tree. No big deal. I'm stronger now. It really wasn't as big of a deal as so many other things this year, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think, and I think it's really important to clarify that you are not being dismissive of it being difficult, of the hard things that have happened, that it's that you have more ability to cope with them because you're not holding them all in. You've moved through them. You allow yourself to fully feel them so that you can be regulated in the face of difficult times. And having tried feel it to heal it so many times, I know the way through. All I have to do is breathe and feel it. What am I feeling? What's the name of this feeling? It's drawing your attention completely inward to your body again and again and again when you have these moments. So I was able to sit through my son's surgery and no one else was there with me. And my husband was a little checked out, but I had my own back because all I had to do was sit and feel, ah, feeling nervous. Okay. That's interesting. This nervousness feels kind of like ants walking up and down inside of me. That's what it feels like, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, just sticking with that. And then I would notice the nervousness would shift. It's like, I had paid enough attention to it that my brain said, okay, she's got this. She knows what this is. Let's give her something better now. (laughs) You know, I love this idea too, Jen, that what you're talking about is that we can be our own safe place that we can be our own person, the person who always has our back and the person who is going to support us and hear us and validate us, that we don't need to look for that from the outside, that we can be that for ourselves. I think that's an incredibly empowering thing and not a lonely thing, not like I'm on my own, so I have to do it for myself, but an empowering, like I can do this for myself. I can be what I need for myself. Exactly. And in my experience, 
most of the time, other people's responses to try to help you emotionally fall far below the mark of what you really need. <laughs> so yeah. instead of being frustrated with their inability to understand your feelings, just give it to yourself. 100% responsibility, 100% control even. Because yeah. in the end, you know, my son fell from the tree, my other son wrecked. Even at the worst case scenario, let's say that's death, right? That's pretty end of the road scenario. The worst things that can happen to us, in the end, the worst thing that really happens is a feeling about that circumstance. You know, the worst that can happen is a feeling. And if we learn we can handle any feeling, we can handle any situation. Yeah, I think you're speaking to something that's so important to understand the resilience that we have within us. And, you know, so for me, growing up in a home where I was always told I was too much, that I was too sensitive, that I would, you know, that I, you know, where I was almost always invalidated and dismissed in my big feelings. And I'm an incredibly sensitive person. And it took me becoming a therapist to realize what a superpower that was, that this was a strength of mm -hmm. mine. And it has taken me, you know, work in my couple relationship because I went into marriage, into romance, into love, seeking, finally seeking, you know, the, the feeling of finally being heard, finally being understood, finally being held and accepted unconditionally, finally being validated. And as, you know, the beauty of how we choose our partners, I chose a partner whose main job, like main work is learning about emotions, learning how to do empathy when he grew up in a family where emotions were dangerous and you could never be felt. He's not very good at validating my feelings, <laughs> right? And so in our relationship, his work has been learning to not avoid feelings, learning to sit with discomfort, with my pain and feelings and not move to fix it. Like that's been his work. And my work has been learning to rely on myself rather than looking for that from the outside. Yeah, it's fascinating the way that our kids and partners invite us to heal and grow, you know, and create that. They do, they, they invite us in very real ways. And I think that that's the other thing that I noticed when you were talking to that emotions arising, they are opportunities. They are little pings of like, hello, here's something that you need to pay attention to. Slow down, sit with me for just a moment. You know, our brain is smart. I mean, it's, it's processing 60,000 thoughts a day. It's only presenting really 10% of them to our consciousness. Yeah. And if it's giving us a feeling, it wants us to pay attention to something. And more often than not, there's a thought that's going to come with the feeling. If we slow down enough to feel it, a thought we need to process, we need to mm -hmm. recognize, maybe let go, shift. And we have a great healing tool right at our disposal, just sitting there and feeling it like our own therapist mm -hmm. and then teaching our kids and our spouses, like you get to do, to do the same. It's really yeah. fun and well, maybe not fun, but <laughs> really oh, important and amazing work. It is absolute. Well, I think it's fun. I think it can be painful and hard, but those don't have to be bad things either. You know, when we can shift into seeing emotions and feelings as opportunities and none of them are bad, all of them serve a purpose in our lives. You know, I, I think that that's an incredibly important shift to make. And I think for me, cultivating a mindfulness practice where I am non-judgmentally and very compassionately and very curiously observing my thoughts and feelings and sensations has made that a lot easier. So for me, a mindfulness practice is just like how a runner who's training for a marathon would go for 
runs, you know, maybe a shorter daily run, a long weekend run. Like that's how I approach meditation. It's just practice for yeah, like fine tuning, you know, my ability to non-judgmentally, very curiously and very compassionately notice my thoughts, feelings, sensations, so that in the moment I have access to that skill in those hard moments when I'm triggered or mad or angry or, you know, that I have access to it. Is that how you think about mindfulness? Exactly the same. So I mentioned in the beginning, I teach the Be Her Morning Ritual. It's just an acronym that stands for breathe, which is when I meditate, exercise, which also moves emotion through you, hydrate, need water to function, right? And then embodying, thinking the thoughts and having the posture and and voice and confidence you want to have, and then reading something inspiring. So be her. And you can do each one in as little as a minute. So just one minute of breathing and saying, ah, what's going on in my body counts as meditation. And it's a practice of, like you said, practicing every day to see what am I sensing? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? And then if it's not something you love, you focus on it for a moment, move it through, shift your thoughts and start your day in the way you want to feel essentially. Yeah. I love that acronym so much. Be her. It feels so aspirational and so like purpose driven, Uh, you know, that if we want to become a better version of ourselves or fully become ourselves, all the good and all of the bad and all the imperfectness, you know, then we have this practice that supports us in being, you know, who we are being ourselves. Yeah. I like, I really like, I like that acronym. And I love how you're saying that just one minute of mindful awareness. I think meditation is something that is incredibly intimidating for so many people. And they think I have to have 20 minutes. I have to sit there and have no thoughts. I have to have an empty brain. Like, and that is not it. I don't do that. I do a five minute meditation at the most a day. And I think that's why a lot of people don't have a morning routine. They think it has to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I encourage people to have a short version, a five minute version and a long version. Some days you need the long version. <laughs> you drop everything. You're like, I'm going to meditate a long time and I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to take a bath. But a lot of days you just need that quick version and that's morning routine too. Yeah. Is there somewhere people can find out about the Be Her morning ritual that you have? Yeah. Just listen to my podcast, Vibrant Happy Women. Okay. We talk about it on there sometimes. Your podcast continues to be one of my favorites. I think that that's how we met, isn't it? Because I was putting together a list of podcasts for balanced parents and I put yours on it. (laughs) And then I emailed you and I was like, you're in Madison. That was crazy. Yeah. We're in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing the feel it to heal it method and the be her morning ritual. I think that these are great examples of the really practical tools that you give, that you've given me in the past that you give to your communities. I really appreciate you sharing those stories and insights with us. Mm, Thank you. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. 
All right, that's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember, balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.